all you cool cats and kittens know it's not Carol Baskins, but it is yours truly, Brian Nichols, here on The Brian Nichols Show. So, speaking of cool cats, before we get started with today's episode, I have to tell you about our fantastic new sponsor. That's right, you know him, you love him. It is our friends over at the Lions of Liberty podcast. Now, the Lions of Liberty is the greatest libertarian variety show on earth, featuring three unique shows with three unique hosts. Their flagship show on Mondays is hosted by a friend of our show, Mark Clare, featuring interviews with leaders in the libertarian movement, roundtable discussions, debates, and more. More recently, Mark's been focusing on personal development and self-growth, featuring some familiar names like, I don't know, Jason Stapleton or Gary Collins. Wednesdays feature Electric Liberty Land, a weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty, hosted by the hilarious and acerbic Brian McWilliams. And on Friday, we have Felony Friday, which is a weekly look at the broken criminal justice system, hosted by John Odermatt, featuring inspiring stories from those who've overcome incredible injustice and adversity. So, head over to your favorite podcast catcher and hit that subscribe button to Lions of Liberty, and then let Mark and the rest of the pride know that Brian Nichols here at the Brian Nichols Show set you. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes, like, homeless people that believe in Bigfoot? <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Happy Tuesday, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Yes, you are in store, you know, for a fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show with, of course, another phenomenal guest. And this week, I am joined by Nick Reed from the Americans for Prosperity Foundation. He focuses on grassroots training, and today he's joined the show to discuss not only his uh, his grassroots training, but how, uh, you know, in, in his conversations with folks, how we share our experiences and actually uh, meet people uh, with what's on their minds. Uh, we discuss, uh, you know, online networks versus that of real uh, communities. Uh, we talk about people who are uh, feeling a lack of sense of purpose, but have seemingly started to outsource everything in life uh, and the need to have folks take on more personal responsibility. And we also wrap up by focusing on what he calls Operation Humanize, a fantastic conversation with Nick Reed here from Americans for Prosperity on The Brian Nichols Show. So without further ado, onto the show, Nick Reed here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you, Brian. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Glad to have you here, Nick. Americans for Prosperity Foundation. So, yes, there is a difference, the foundation versus Americans for Prosperity, the organization that I know a lot of folks are going to say, oh, I know AFP, um, but there's a slight difference. You're more on the educational side, so the 501c3 aspect of things. So, first and foremost, welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. Now, for folks maybe who are not familiar, thank you, thank you. yeah, absolutely. Now, for folks maybe who are not familiar with the, uh, the Americans for Prosperity organization in general, but specifically the Americans for Prosperity Foundation, let's kind of do a, a Spark Notes intro, number one, to who you are, but two, to, uh, to AFP. My name is Nick Reed. For the past few years, I've been working more as a grassroots trainer to help everyday citizens like yourself learn how to make a difference beyond just voting and paying your taxes, which is kind of the bare minimum where people think that's that's what they can do to make if they want to make a difference. Uh, so the educational side is really where I work, and that's the foundation. So we help people with the issue understanding and the pol- and the tools and the skills to be able to make that difference. I don't so much engage in in the politics or the direct advocacy myself that's more of the afp side of things so right now obviously and, and you know it's funny i just uh, spoke to elaine jones she's a, a political consultant right now she's working for the jorgensen campaign and we were talking more more about 
what kind of people are experiencing and what's the the feedback that we've been getting for from people across the board because part of what we do here at the Brian Nichols show is we kind of approach um selling liberty right we approach we approach the liberty story through sell liberty that that lens and how can we bring the libertarian message to people where they're actually you know having issues in, in their own personal lives meeting them at the conversations that they're having in their own minds so so nick obviously you're you're grassroots you're out there you're you're fighting the good fight actually talking to the average person um you know in, in a person-to-person level so kind of what's been the, the response, the feedback that you've been getting from your average person, what's on their minds? What's maybe the number one thing that's, you know, pushing them to maybe the, the polls this year? And and where do you think maybe we have a chance to uh, to win some people over with our arguments? To win people over to the side of liberty is going to take, honestly, personal stories that are relatable. It's going to take one-on-one connection with human beings. And I know we're all virtual, but that's just the same. It's what it's not going to take is a bunch of facts and a bunch of figures and statistics and graphs if we're going to be able to show the results of liberty. It's going to take sharing the experience with people. It's going to take people being able to look into your eyes and see that you're in a place that they're trying to get to. Because if you're not, then they see you and everything that you say and do They're totally not going to be paying attention to. But then if you are, everything you say and do becomes a light to how they can get there there too. One of the biggest obstacles, I think, to trying to uh, advance freedom in the world, not just for ourselves, but for our grandkids and for everybody else, is we want to focus on arguments. And what we need to do is focus on winning people over winning arguments. Okay, This is a major mental model shift, and people are frustrated. So when, when people come to us, they want to make a difference. One of the biggest things I, I hear is we can't get anything done. Congress is in gridlock. Legislators sign on to bad legislation if it's proposed by their party and refuse to sign on to good legislation if it's proposed by some of the other party. We're more divided than we've been since the Civil War. People are unfriending each other on Facebook if they express agreements or, or things that they disagree with. Uh, people don't want their kids to grow up and marry somebody who voted for the other guy. We've got all of this hegemonic propaganda that promotes the existing big power structure in our educational system, but also in our mainstream media where they approach human beings as if we are just homo politicus with no other frame of reference for how to solve our problems except for from the top down. And people are frustrated, people are disgusted, and and people ultimately are feeling kind of stuck and don't know how to move forward. And everybody's got an issue that they care about deeply. Everybody has one. Um, But when we can't even talk to each other, which is necessary in order to make a difference in your lifetime around something that you care about, uh, it's really difficult. Some of these issues require people to be able to work together. And uh, especially if they affect more than just you in your basement, right? Uh, And so that's kind of where we're at. People need to understand what's going on and think about how to actually make a difference from the bottom up rather than than the top down. And once Mm -hmm. they do that, then they can start to feel some of the sense of meaning and purpose and contribution that uh, maybe now they only get from going into a movie theater and watching fictional heroes accomplish their dreams, right? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, what's sad is that, um, you know, I just did a, uh, an ask me anything over on, it was, it was more uh, left leaning libertarians. And, 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 you know, there were a few people in that chat where, um, you know, I'm looking at the, the chat as they were going through and doing the AMA and, 
and some people's entire frame of reference is is entirely from the perspective of the lens that is their their TV screen or their computer screen from their their basement, and they mm-hmm. really don't have a a concept of what what real life's like. Um, and it, it's weird because and I, this is maybe maybe you can help me here with this part because this is where I, I'm really I, I miss the disconnect because I see a lot of my friends who maybe you know, would be in this more leftist mindset. And that really, it promotes the idea of collectivism. It promotes the idea of being there for one another, right? But then they themselves are so isolated and so removed from their actual communities. And and it's, it's, it's weird because they make in their own little online worlds, their own little voluntary communities. But then they, they can't take that and apply that on a more, you know, macro scale saying, okay, take the idea of your little mini online community of people who agreed voluntarily to go here and let people do that in real life. And it just seems that there's a disconnect there. Why do you think that is? Well, because a community online is not a community. It's a network of people who can only exchange information because that's what you can transmit through the internet. You can't go over and chop wood and carry water for anybody. You can't do anything for anyone except for communicate information, maybe to then lead to being able to do something tangible and meaningful for each other. And that's a big difference. It's a huge difference. And ultimately, when I have conversations, I live in Austin, Texas. So we live in the heart of of liberalism in Texas, the, the bleeding heart of Texas. And I have conversations with neighbors, with friends with even family who lean not just left but but are self-identified socialists mm-hmm. and when you talk to them about uh, what they want they talk about solidarity they talk about community they talk about a sense of interdependence and reliance on each other these are wonderful things these are things that I think we need today mm-hmm. these are important uh, the, the main difference is, is when people have grown up in a multi-generational environment where they've never experienced having any real strong sense of, of community, then when you get the hegemonic propaganda through the media, when you only know how to think in terms of government and top down in politics, you look for those things through government and through politics. And unfortunately, you just don't get it because what comes through government is enforced through force. And so you can't get that solidarity, that sense of community and interdependence and trust and relationship, if it's coerced, you can't. And so it's it's all rich and no vomit. You never get there. And yep. people are frustrated. Yeah. And it, and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Everything happens for a reason, right? So we're recording here today on, uh, on September 29th. I tweeted this morning. I said, some of you have replaced uh, God with government and it shows. And we're seeing that firsthand because a lot of people have placed the faith in what was traditionally placed in institutions like your your church, right, which was usually your community center, and you had like this reliance on everybody in your your local community to help one another, and now that that that's kind of been pushed aside, and we're seeing it more and more that it's just tacitly understood. Ah, government will take care of it. That's why I'm spending thousands of dollars every single year. In some cases, more. Uh, you know, all these these taxes taken on my paycheck, as you said, by force. So I'm sure somebody's handling whatever it is. And when we've advocated this responsibility, you know, not only from for ourselves but for our communities, 
obviously we're going to see what's happening right now where you see a breakdown of not only the communities but also a breakdown in the discourse um and you know i, I see that right now also you know, it was a great point you made they're not online communities they're online networks because yes not only can you not really go if you need to you know hey can i have a, a cup of sugar like you can't go ahead and do that but also you're you're kind of um insulated from any real life ramifications or consequences of your your negative actions in real life you say some messed up stuff you do have the chance of getting punched in the face that's that is always present in conversation when you're online that threat's not there so it creates this incentive structure and life is all about incentive structures it's all about i mean really at the end of the day everything's about economics i mean <laughs> everything comes down to economics in some way shape or form because incentive structures are everywhere and there is an incentive structure to get as is rambunctious and as inflammatory as possible online because there is no real means to stop that that speech up to the extent of being banned but then you can just go you know make another fake account whatever you want to do and you can go find some alternative means of doing what you want to do but Again, it goes to the point because there are no real life ramifications. So, you know, I'm a big fan of, of free market capitalism. I think you know, the the innovations that we have, you know, such as what we're doing right now, having a face to face conversation via the internet, right? Um, I think is great. But also, I would say there is, um, you know, I would say some trade offs. And one of the things that we've seen as a trade off has been maybe a yielding of the traditional community to more of these online networks. Is that maybe something that we have to come to grips with? And, and if so. What can we do as, as proponents of, of liberty and free market solutions to really solve what has you know seemingly happened as a result of an advent like the internet? Well, I I we need to take it out of the context of just the internet. Let me tell you this. So in my community here, I live in kind of an intentional community. It's a small new construction apartment complex that's both it's mixed use for commercial and residential. And so all of the people here, obviously, there's just a few families, know each other very intimately, right? And when there's a problem, um, when we first moved here, when the place first opened up, we didn't have the relationship with each other to feel safe or comfortable going to each other about issues. We didn't know how they were going to take it. And, and so somebody would post something in the Facebook group. And all of a sudden, you would see all of these issues start coming out, the problems that people had that they've been sitting on, that we haven't been dealing with. And before you know it, it was just this overflowing page of, of vitriol and confusion. And then all of a sudden, we realized we have to see these people the next day. And that's a little bit of a different situation. And we realized we can't have these conversations uh, hiding behind our screens. And then we have to walk past the mailbox every single day and say hi to these people the next day. We have to start having meetings in person. And we started getting together and we started having community meetings and we started communicating to face to face with people. And then the internet actually wasn't a problem. The internet wasn't a problem at all because we had the relationship because the natural social consequences were built in regardless of whether we were offline or online. If you, I act unfriendly to somebody in the Facebook group, I'm going to lose friends in real life, not just on in the Facebook group, because those natural social consequences have been added to the equation. So I don't think the problem is just that the internet is is impersonal. I think that it's just that we lack that personal and we've subjugated away that to, we've externalized it. We've outsourced uh, violence and force to government. We've outsourced charity to government. And, and more and more, we're seeing that rather than go talk to your neighbor about the dog barking, people just want to call the cops. Yep. And we're seeing that rather than taking care of your grandparents, you're advocating for, for 
uh, more Medicaid. You know, people are outsourcing things at the same time that we are complaining about the lack of a sense of purpose and meaning in our lives. And if you yes. see the discrepancy here that we lack meaning and purpose and we have this mental model where we need to outsource all meaningful action to government agencies, then you can understand what's going on here. I remember walking through Stockholm Airport. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I was coming back for a knee surgery. I, it, was a, it was a really bad day, right? And I was a broke college kid. And I remember seeing, seeing this, this man, right, fought, he fell down. I went to help him. Found out, here's a man, Stockholm Airport, starving to death next to a stand of food, right? And I asked him his story, and he told me his story. And uh, I was like, man, are you hungry? And he just started to cry. And I said, my God, I got to help this guy. So I got him a sandwich. He was so hungry, he ate it with the paper on. I've never seen someone this hungry in my entire life. And they, you know, he had tried to get help. He was stuck in this airport. Uh, anyway, so I go up to this guy, right? The Swede guy. And I was like, hey, man, we got to help this guy. And he immediately gets on his phone. He starts Googling. And within about a couple of minutes, he comes back and he's like, I'm sorry, but uh, I can't help him. I go, what do you mean you can't help him? He's like, well, I don't know what government department handles this. I said, no, we got to help this guy. Like right now, like you and me, right? And so I go over to the Bancomat, which is the ATM, and I'm trying to pull out some money. And I realize I'm about to give this guy my last dollar. Am I going to get stuck in an airport? And for the first time, I felt it. I felt this underlying story that we all have uh, that had been pervading my worldview and experience of helping other people. And every dollar I pulled out, I gave to this man, I felt it. I felt that I am $1 closer to being where he is, where there's no one going to help me because then they're one step closer to being where I am, where no one's going to help them because then they're one step closer to, and on and on and on and on. But the, if, you, if you notice something about this story, it's a very unique story. It's a story that's only true because we live it out, right? Because you could look at the opposite where uh, people help each other naturally and voluntarily instead of just outsourcing it or saying, oh, well, you know, government should do this or the president should do that. And if you know and have experienced even multi-generationally where if you need something, then you've got friends and you've got family, you've got community and people are going to step up and they're going to help you because that's just the way that it is. That when people succeed, when their cup is full, it overflows to others. It's just what happens when people reach their potential, when they reach the giving back stage of life, that People naturally have a need for contribution and, and, and meaning and purpose. When you experience that, right, then giving is not a problem. It's even easier. And so you reach the hundredth monkey, the tipping point where now you can have real authentic community, right? I mean, old tribal societies used to, used to operate like this. Now, today, the mental model that government should do everything is pervading our entire culture and it's extremely disempowering i'm going to tell you a story of how i actually uncovered this mental model of top our our bias for top down thinking so i walk into a classroom back in college i used to masquerade around as a substitute teacher and i would give kids an alternative to their busy work they could do my silly social experiments right and uh, they would usually opt for it rather than do that crossword puzzle or whatever so one day I said, okay, guys, today we're going to change the world. I said, okay. 
And I said, all right, so here's what I want you to do. One, I want you to get into groups and identify one thing you want to see change in this world more than anything else. Two, I want you to outline the best plan that you can think of to make it happen. All right, three, then I want you to come up and share it with everybody. So they got to work. I had never seen such enthusiasm. And guess what? They were all done in about five minutes. And so I said, come on up, guys. Let's hear it. All right, we've changed the world. And uh, this class was an international class from about high school level in Sweden uh, the first time. And they read off, what's your issue? Well, we think that poverty is a big issue. And what we think that the prime minister should do is... Da, 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 da. Well, we think that uh, the criminal justice system has big issues. And you know what the parliament should do is... Da, 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 da. I did this in the United States. Well, we think that uh, uh, the environment's a big issue. And you know what the mayor should do is... Da, 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 da. And at the end of the day, everybody goes and sits down and nobody has anything that they can actually walk out the door and do. And this is extremely disempowering. And it's ex disempowering for a few reasons. One, because if you really think about it, logistically, 500 people in Washington, D.C. can't solve all the problems of 340 million people across a continent that they've never met and don't know anything about. You just can't. And two, because at best, you're going to get one-size-fits-all solutions that are going to create more problems than they actually solve. But three, it's unsustainable because top-down solutions and this top-down way of thinking and problem solving means you're not doing anything. If everyone is sitting around arguing about what the president should do, which is what is leading to a significant part of our polarization today, no one's doing anything. And that's a meaningless existence. When we could be sitting here right now having the, the kind of experience that we fantasize about in our heroic fictional films in Hollywood of how people overcome all adversity and, and do what only they can do and, and make a difference and then, you know, bring, uh, bring the fire back from the gods and, and save the world, so to speak. The hero's journey is sitting right here, right now in the fabric of our own lives and nobody can recognize it and can't even see it. That's why it's so disempowering. I didn't say a word because literally, so we, we're at a hundred and... 39 episodes now 160 like 170 i think or so with the bonus episodes and one of the overarching themes over the past going on three years now for the show nick has been that of of trying to as, as our friend gary collins from the simple life has talked about um number one balancing out that that like that uh three-legged stool of your life how you do that number one your financial um your financial life number two your, your physical life and three your sense of purpose right and you, 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 I, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there when you're talking about there's really this lack of sense of purpose, but we had this desire for continued outsourcing. So I think right there that kind of it speaks to exactly where we're having some disconnect with your average person because your average person, they in your, to your social experiment, they do want to see change, but the mindset has been so fragmented of taking the ownership of yourself to your example of the gentleman in the airport, but also to then advocating that responsibility to mayor, parliament, prime minister, and second story, right? How do we change that conversation so it's no longer a, we're going to abdicate this responsibility to someone else and instead have the conversation starts with saying it starts with us? 
Well, I'm going to introduce probably three different things here. But the first one, since we've already been talking about uh, this mental model shift to, to bottom up thinking, is no one is complaining and arguing with you about what you're going to go out there and do to alleviate homelessness. Nobody is complaining about what you're going to do to go out there and, and live more sustainably or, or make a positive impact on the environment. What people are arguing and complaining about is what the president is from the top down all going to make everybody do, whatever that one size fits all solution is, and whether we agree with it or not. What people are complaining about is how we should we should spend all of the tax dollars that are being taken from us, uh, and hopefully that solution is something we can reach consensus on, uh, or at least get a majority. That's what people are complaining about. Once you shift the conversation to what what I can do, what you are going to walk out this door and do today, that's a totally different conversation. In fact, it inspires people. And you know what? At that point, it actually doesn't even matter if people join you, if people do what it is that you're going out to do, because what it inspires is it engenders people to go out and do the equivalent of that for themselves. When people are going out and doing the thing for them that they believe that if everybody would do it would lead to the whole world changing then shit is getting done monkey Lots see monkey do done. yes michael and scott monkey see monkey is, do monkey pee all over you that's how it works that's right <laughs> <laughs> and that's a totally different world so that's one okay two here's the second one Frederick Douglass has a famous quote that says, I will unite with anybody to do right and nobody to do wrong. Today, we have people who refuse to work with or even speak to someone if they don't agree 100% ideologically or, or are part of the same, the same party. And as a result, we have this gridlock, this stalemate, this constipation, not just in Congress, but in our entire culture of people. When in fact, not only if we look, do we all find something that we disagree on? But if we look, we also find something that we agree on. What if people were to actually move forward on those commonalities rather than focus on the parts where we disagree? What could get done? This is what I call policy over politics. Policy over politics is a middle model shift where you can not just focus on the parties, right, and getting your party guy elected, but you can actually think about the issues, which one, leads to more nuanced thinking, but two, leads to a lot more shit getting done, my friend. So that's also a very powerful uh, thing that people can do. And then winning people over winning arguments. My God, that's, let me tell you a story. Um, I think that well, this has to do with, okay, so let's talk about this in terms of polarization, right? Because we're more divided today than we've ever been. What's going on here is not just that people disagree. There's something else at play. You see, people don't just intellectually think the other person is factually incorrect or, or you know, inaccurate. They actually think that the person they disagree with is a bad person. We actually think that they're lazy or stupid or evil for thinking differently than us. And this is a totally different phenomenon. This is called dehumanization. This is objectification. This is uh, demonization of other people. And what is happening here is, is really got some deep psychological underpinnings, right? This is called the game of who's right. And what this is, is an inability to hold what Carl Jung called attention of opposites. 
And that's where you can hold two seemingly contradictory truths or principles in your mind without one being a threat to the other or losing one over to the other. And out of that, which we know from nature, bringing together different polarities is the source of all creation and creativity in the evolutionary process, right? And so we need to be able to think differently and we need other people's perspectives and opinions to get out of our own bias and to get more near to the truth. There's a study done where they looked at how accurate people are, bear with me, at guessing the number of jelly beans in a jar. And they realized that an individual is extremely inaccurate at guessing that number. But if you were to take 100, 200, 500, 1,000 people and survey all of them and average all of their guesses, it's uncanny how spot on that number is to the actual number of jelly beans in a jar. This, What does this says to me is that we need other people's points of view to get more near to the truth. And yet what we see today is this aversion to a diversity of ideas. In education, we see we want to protect people from certain bad ideas rather than teach people how to think for themselves and learn the power of discernment for themselves. So what people need to do today in order to fix this is humanize. Operation humanize. And that means confronting your boogeyman. And I don't mean like a Hitler or a Stalin. Those are our caricatures. Those are collective boogeymans, okay? That's somebody we all love to hate. But the real roots of the, the polarization, which goes down into our, our demonizing of each other, is in your personal devil, right? The, the people that you really have the beef with who you see as the ultimate evil or lazy or, or stupidity in the world. Who is that, right? And, and you have to have the courage to confront them until you are standing face to face with a human being. That is Operation Humanize. And I don't mean necessarily that you go toe to toe in the ring with them, right? Or you go to a debate. I don't think that's the right situation. Maybe incremental desensitization is is what you need to do wherever you're you're comfortable but you have to humanize your personal boogeyman in order to be able to to do the thing that you want everybody to do in our depolarized culture because you cannot take someone somewhere you have not been you cannot give what you do not have i'm gonna give you a story if that's okay of someone who actually showed me the way his name is abdullah he was from iraq i met him in sweden at the uh uh uh, language school. I'm walking around on crutches. I had a big injury at the time. And uh, I hear, he hears me speaking English with a North American accent. He calls out across the, the building, Hey, you're from America, no? And he comes up to me. He's got five buddies. They're all really big and muscular guys. I'm on crutches. I'm pretty intimidated right here. He goes, what do you think about Obama? What do you think about us Muslims? What do you think about Iraq? Isn't it true that on American TV, all they show is us Iraqis as terrorists, extremists, blowing things up and doing bad things. And I start to get into an argument with him, right? Oh, yeah, well, isn't it true that on Iraqi TV, all they show is U.S. soldiers blowing things up and doing bad things? Isn't it true that? And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. And I could see like the way that we were like interacting. And I'm like, first of all, this isn't going to go well for me. So I got to try something different, right? <laughs> but second of all, I was like, just walk away, man. I'm Walk away or I'm going to walk away. And when we come back, let's do something different. I want you to talk to me like I'm your brother. And let's see what happens. Because you don't know it yet, but we are brothers. And when you come at me like this, we're always going to end up on the other side of, of some fence. So 
he looks at me, he looks back at his five muscly, oily dudes, looks at me, and then he says, but that is how I want to talk to everyone, my friend. And I have been trying to have conversations with people, and I just keep getting in these arguments. He invited me back to his house, to his modest little studio with no furniture. We sat on his floor. We ate his traditional food with our hands, and we shared about our cultures. And do you know what I found out? I found out from Abdullah that I was the first American he had ever met. He lost his family in the Iraqi war. They had been blown up. They were a casualty uh, and he had fled as a, a refugee to, to Sweden. And he, I was his devil. I was his boogeyman. And all he knew about America was what he had seen on Iraqi news, what he knew of Iraqi soldiers and his family, and maybe from Hollywood, a bunch of arrogant bastards. I got to be the first impression, real impression. I mean, to dispel those myths. What an opportunity. And he had the courage, the cojones to walk up to me and confront his boogeyman until we sat on his floor face to face talking to human beings. Wow. What a powerful experience. What a mind job. I mean, for this guy to be able to do that. Right. And as a result, I went and confronted my personal boogeyman too. And that may be a story for another time. I'll see how we're doing on time. But, uh. Well, I was going to say, we are unfortunately getting to the point where we do have to wrap up. But Nick, I think you're easily going to become one of my favorite recurring guests because everything you're speaking of, uh, or speaking to rather today, it's stuff that we've been talking about here on the Brian Nichols Show. So one of the things that I try to do is have people on my show who I like to say are infinitely smarter than me, right? Um, so I'm having experts on you know, who are entrepreneurs, politicians, economists, and so forth. And, and really what we've done is talk about, you know, basically all these different various aspects as it pertains to their specific area of expertise. And and I think today this was a great opportunity to kind of put a nice bow on, on pretty much how it all comes together and showing the way to actually make some long lasting substantive changes. And yes, it does come with us having to humble ourselves and, and have to have conversations that are going to, yes, be difficult and sometimes uncomfortable. But as I tell my sales team every single day, you know, when we're getting the, the calls, I say, get comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's how you get better. Um, and that's how we get better in life. That's how we get better in whatever you're doing, whether it's, you know, trying to get physically fit, you're trying to practice a new skill, you know, play a new instrument, learn a new martial art, whatever it may be. It, you have to, to go through the struggles. You have to also get uncomfortable because until you do, you're going to stay where you're at. So, I mean, with that being said, Nick, we could go on forever, um, but we're definitely going to have you back sometime in the near future. And, I, you know, it's great when I find a guest through the interwebs and it turns out we're in the same circles as it is. Um, so it kind of worked out for the the, the the best, but let's kind of uh, leave my, my folks here, the, the Brian Nichols Show audience with a uh, call to action. So where can folks go ahead, number one, and follow you if you have some social media plugs, but number two, where they can go ahead and support uh, Americans for Prosperity Foundation and also AFP uh, HQ. Absolutely. Well, you can check out the Americans for Prosperity uh, website, americansforprosperity.org. You can also check out our larger philanthropic community, standtogether.org, and see a lot of the bottom-up solutions that we're offering. You can check out the Be Be the Solution podcast, where we are dispelling the top-down myth around issue by issue and showing you the way forward from the bottom up. And you can go out and criticize by creating. Go out and do it yourself. What's one thing that you want to see change in this world more than anything else? And what is one tiny step that you can walk out the door and do today? That's my real call to action. You can also check me out on on social media, uh, at Reed, Nick, and all the rest of it. 
Rock and roll. Nick Reed, Americans for Prosperity Foundation. Thank you for joining the Brian Nichols Show. Are you looking for a simpler life? Real information from real people without all the BS we're bombarded with today? Well, hey, I'm Gary Collins, the host of Your Better Life podcast. Make sure to go check it out. I'm a former intelligence officer, special agent, entrepreneur, and I'm here to give you the facts and give it to you straight so you can live the life you want. And make sure to check out my website, thesimplelifenow.com, where I sell all of my best-selling books, The Simple Life Series, Going Off the Grid, Living Off the Grid, and just flat out kicking some ass. Make sure to check it out, guys. What a great conversation. I, know, I, I, like, I listened to that conversation again, and I was like, man, Nick, is, he, he's fun. Like, if he doesn't make you feel like you want to run through a brick wall for him, then I, I don't know. You got you to gotta, like, go get some different motivation because uh, Nick's got it, and, and we need more folks like Nick in the Liberty Movement. So do me a favor. Uh, go ahead and support all the work he's doing. Uh, I absolutely cannot uh, speak highly enough of uh, him joining the show today, but all the work he's doing over Americans for Prosperity. Uh, so, Nick, thank you for joining the Brian Nichols Show, and things to look forward to, folks. Yeah, so we have, uh, of course, some more guests lined up here on the Brian Nichols Show this week. So strap in. We have guests uh, returning here tomorrow. Yes, you are getting a show tomorrow on Wednesday. Sam Jacobs, Ammo.com, returns to the show to discuss what a Biden president presidency would look like uh, with regards to the Second Amendment uh, and a variety of other fun topics of what a Biden future would look like. Uh, And then on Friday, great conversation with uh, the former VP uh, candidate with Gary Johnson in 2012. Yes, the one and only Judge Jim Gray discussing his brand new uh, book, All Rise, The Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. An absolutely fantastic conversation uh, there with the judge over on Friday. So make sure you hit the subscribe button over on your favorite podcast catcher, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever it is. Hey, my special favorite one I like to use, not even a paid endorsement, Podcast Addict. Go ahead, uh, make sure you subscribe to The Brian Nichols Show, but then do me a favor and go ahead and give us a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. The reviews are just pouring in, and I am so thankful. So please continue to keep that up, but also go ahead and take a screenshot of your review and uh, email me, brian at brian Nichols show said review, uh, and you'll be entered into our super secret awesome giveaway they'll be uh, announcing here at the end of the year, uh, so make sure you go ahead and do that, uh, but otherwise, guys, it's been an absolute blast. Continue to, uh, please, continue to be the, the best audience out there last month, and, and I uh, I just got the official numbers. Last month, you guys uh, helped us blow our number out of the water. We have not had uh, as many downloads as, as we had in any month uh, up to uh, September. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Uh, I am as humble as ever and and truly uh, just cannot uh, thank you guys enough for for continuing to download, sharing the show, and as always uh, being uh, the the best audience I I could ever ask for. So with that being said, guys, it's been an absolutely fantastic time here on The Brian Nichols Show with Nick Reed. Looking forward to our conversation with Sam Jacobs coming up here tomorrow. So with that being said, Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Nick Reed. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.